Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to To Be The Man. And of course, we couldn't do it without the Hall of Famer himself, the greatest of all time, ladies and gentlemen, the nature boy, Ric Flair. Rick, how are you, man? Man, I am missing you. When are you coming to town? Got my boat ready to go. Everything's great. Yep, 13 days. I I had it all bottom painted and redone. All all new covers. It's like, uh... it's, 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 it's Conrad worthy right now. Oh my goodness. It's, it's freaking the middle of December. What are you talking about? Boat? What's the weather like down there? Actually 85 degrees and no humidity. It's phenomenal. Yeah. It's absolutely phenomenal. Oh, what's the temperature? What's the temperature there? Cold. Kind of like Alabama. Oh, will you stop? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I can tell you're in a good mood already today. I can't wait for the whole year. Uh, I'm in a great mood. (laughs) So Woo Wednesday, if you will, each and every Wednesday, Ric Flair and I chop it up and talk about what's going on in wrestling. And boy, there's a lot to talk about this week, Rick. You went kind of viral this past week. Uh, Somebody uh, did a little spy cam of you, I guess, at a little watering hole that you like to frequent down in Tampa. I think Steve has the, uh, the video queued up. Let's take a look at this and see what everybody's talking about. Well, it turns uh, out, Rick. Yeah, hey, that, uh, hey, now think about that. That's a woman's take. It's his loss, even though she just walked the the, the, the walk of shame. <laughs> well, it turns out uh, it was a lie all these years. Um, none of them could be first, and apparently only some of them could be next. Congratulations, yeah. Rick. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm Listen, and I, that's like I am. I'm glad to, America gets to see how peaceably I live by myself. Never any girls around, just me. Oh, listen to that. <laughs> we had, it was right there on tape. Christ My Almighty. <laughs> I mean, do I need to tell them about the time I met a penis masseuse with you down <laughs> yeah. there? And... No, she's not. Angela. <laughs> she has some sort of TENS unit. She hooks up to gimmicks. Yes, yes, yes. I've never experienced it. I've just seen a picture of it. <laughs> oh, I don't even know what's going on anymore, but. Hey, so tell us, give a shout out, give a plug. Where, where were you hanging? Do you want to let all the people know with no oh, American social, my favorite, it really might American. be American social in my honest opinion. And I tell the management all the time <clears throat> and trust me, having been in bars everywhere in the world might be, if you like sports, cause they have, and they also have in which most bars don't have, but they have like pay-per-view capability. Yeah. They'll have the fights on, they have prime for Thursday night football. You know which most bars don't have it's hard to find and they spend um you know a lot of money doing it so it's um you know as you know that those those systems like that are not are not cheap um and uh and they're first class people are nice and uh i'm telling you it's, it's really impressive the staff you know as you know and we like to be able to talk to people and relate and have fun and they got they have a great place Super fun place, American Social. There it is. Uh, right there on the water, yeah. I lit the Christmas tree for him. Oh, wow. Look at there. Yeah, I didn't know that. 
No, I did not know that. I know uh, that, uh, back in the day you used to do promos and you would say, this is where you're going to be. Uh, yeah. No, oh, no I did. I, I, I did play the Christmas tree. Yeah. Yeah. 18 and 28. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> What's the age limit now, Rick? Is it 28? Uh, what are we looking at? 30, 35 to 46. Oh, wow. Okay. There we go. <laughs> Lord, as long as they're younger than your older yeah. daughter, it's, it's <laughs> game on. I got it. Oh my goodness. What are we doing? Listen, hey. let's, Oh, look, there she is right there. Did you give her your number after all? No, that's, that's the queen calling me. Man, everybody's talking about the queen. Of course, you I know, have no inside information, but uh, this is the type of season where everybody starts wondering, hmm, about the Royal Rumble. Let's talk about the Royal Rumble, Rick. There's lots of conjecture this time of year. Who's coming back? Who's not coming back? Will there be a debut in the Rumble? A lot of folks saying they'd like to see Matt Cardona as a surprise in the Rumble. Other folks are saying it would be cool to see Nick Aldis make his WWE debut in the Rumble. I, for one, am pulling for Cody Rhodes to come back in the Rumble. Yeah. Do you have any any predictions to surprise returns or debuts for the Royal Rumble? I actually don't. I really don't. I, uh, um, you know, I mean, it's one of those events. I just that as a, as as being part of the business and having been in it a couple of times, actually lucky enough to win it one time. It's a big deal. So, um, and it, it just adds to your resume and it's, um, it's always exciting. It's, it's hard to imagine, but these guys are so smart. I mean, I'm talking about guys like, uh, Bruce and Michael Hayes and the producers. It, it takes a lot of work to put together 35 people or whatever in a ring for an hour long match and, and make sure that, that, you know, you, keep it exciting there's going to be slow periods and fast periods but the last 10 minutes is all they remember and that's right that and they it takes conditioned athletes that either been in it for a long time or know the business for a while and you have to i in my estimation you have to be pretty damn good at what you're doing to, to win that and be put in that position that's my opinion well, you're going to be pretty damn good. If you're checking out your brand new documentary, it comes out on the 26th. That'll be yeah. something to hold us over until the rumble is here. And speaking of holdovers, I don't know if you saw the report, but as you and I are recording today, a new report came out from the wall street journal that basically says, quote, Vince McMahon has also told people he intends to make a comeback at WWE saying he got bad advice from people close to him to step down. And he now believes the allegations and investigations would have blown over had he stayed. So what about that news, Rick? Have you heard this? What do you think about the idea that Vince might be coming back to WWE? Well, you know, you're not going to get a negative word out of me. I love Vince McMahon. And I think that, I think he should, you know, be, he's entitled to whatever he wants. Right. And, and you know, God, and I'm telling you, Shame on the people that that don't think so. He built it. He he. And I, nobody else built it. Nobody helped him. He fought every war. I mean, you know, using talking about Eric again, where Eric, you know, says he, they they were the only competition, or that Eric is called a visionary for da 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 da. You know, for eighty three weeks. Well, all Eric did really is use all of Turner's money. Not his own. His, he bought 83 weeks. He didn't outsmart McMahon. He, 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 he bought 83 weeks with somebody else's money, which eventually bankrupted the company. 
what Eric should have done, basically, when it comes to me, and I read about what he says about me, and I and I asked the people in the documentary when I saw what Eric said, I, it doesn't change my opinion. I mean, he's an arrogant dick. Um, but what Eric might have, where it says that it, he said that he had to bring to my attention, this is the, way, the exact verbiage, I've seen it again, he had to make bring it to my attention that there were rules to comply by and that I didn't, you know, ask for the time off to take my son to the AU Nationals. Um, actually, if Eric had spent as much time disciplining the people that never took steroid tests, that never showed up for work, that did whatever they wanted to do, I mean, he completely, after Crockett, after, after seeing the Carolinas, and you follow wrestling, be the hottest territory in the country. He completely flattened every arena. And in particular, Winston-Salem, the town never was the same. Yeah. Hey, I've killed some towns, but I haven't killed them like that. <laughs> We've all had matches that were stinkers. But yeah. when, you, when, you, when, you, when you kill it, when you have, I was at Greensboro one night, there were 14 no-shows out of 26 people. Wow. Any penalties? And then when you finally, finally hired someone to, to bring some structured organization to the case, it was Johnny Ace who stood up, and was, and, but it was too late. Eric was out the door anyway. But he hated Johnny Ace because Johnny Ace was the Road Warriors brother, and uh, Road Warriors you know, were tough guys. And they didn't see Eric in that light. I don't think anybody did. So if you've been uh, trying to piece this together, I guess we should also talk about the other elephant in the room. It's uh, been a bit of a controversial topic lately. You guys went back and forth after you posted a video on uh, Twitter that basically said something like, really, Eric? Do I need to explain or something like that? And he quote tweeted it, and maybe Steve has some of these, I don't know. And it says something like, this was some of your finest work. There it is. This is some of your best work ever. You're welcome. I made you. And boy, that got a lot of fans riled up. A lot of Ric Flair fans did not like that. And he would go on to say things like the horsemen were never really a draw. WCW was never profitable. And you on top did not allow WCW to earn a profit. That's the reason he had to go to Hulk Hogan. But, he, but let's, let's just, as you, as you go along, he didn't get Hulk Hogan. I went and got Hulk Hogan. He didn't know Hulk Hogan. Why would Hulk Hogan know a piss end? Working downstairs in the camera room. Hello? I'm listening. I, I, I drove to Orlando with them. Well, they met in Hulk's trailer. They were shooting American. Uh, he didn't go find Hulk Hogan. He didn't find Savage. He didn't find Piper. I did. And I put them all over for him. So let's get, let, let, let's just answer each one you know, as we address them. So Rick, here's a tweet from December 9th. Um, a guy named Slizzy on Twitter writes, I, for one, didn't care for the four horsemen. Eric would quote tweet it and say, very few people outside of North Carolina did. And another thing that he would tweet would be in response to a response from Phil Lander, who says, Eric, why didn't you guys push the four horsemen more during this period? Would have loved to have seen that. And Eric writes the four horsemen and incarnations of it while I was in WCW was a very popular to a regional local audience, but meant little beyond it and didn't draw any money. 
WCW is losing millions every year. Neither the four horsemen nor Ric Flair could draw money, which is why I brought HHN just facts, man, some pretty, uh, stiff shots there. And then he would respond to it a little more on his show. And there were lots of, uh, quotables there. This all feels like it came out of nowhere. I, I think from Eric's side of things, he thought you guys were, were friends and pretty cool. And then I guess you saw something in the documentary. Is that sort of the, the match that lit the fuse? Yeah. And, I, and I've gone back and all I said was he's an arrogant prick. Yeah. But now I can say he's an arrogant prick with no friends. Now he's, now he's pissed off Arn and Tully. I mean, it basically Paige don't talk to him anymore. Obviously I didn't, do you see them talk at the last match? I mean, I know they hang out. I don't think they hung out in Nashville or I didn't see him hang out, but I think Paige was at his place last year sometime. Well, maybe I so. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's strange, but, um, when I was in England with him, he, um, I invited him over to sit down with me and DiBiase and Brett Hart and everybody said, I don't think I should. Cause Brett doesn't like me. I can assure you in my lifetime, I will never experience that humiliation of having to ask if I'm allowed to come over and sit down and have a beer. Yeah. So that's Brett Hardy's pissed off now. He's pissed off Goldberg. He's pissed off me. He's pissed off. Um, I don't know. Whatever happened to the, that Jeremy, the guy that, that we're making, making these huge movies with, what happened to him? I think you mean, um, not Jeremy. Um, Her, uh, Herbie. Her, Jason yeah. Herbie. What happened to him? Yeah, I'll tell you off air. <laughs> In other words, it can't be good. Well, I don't think it had anything to do with Eric. I think he's got some stuff going on. Maybe oh, okay. we don't want to kick a guy when he's down. No, I don't want to get no, I don't want to get involved in that, but I meant I just I look at the window and the gap and the opportunity. And the biggest shot I have of all, which you will never be able to deny because you're married to her. Every time I I see him, he goes out of his way to tell me that he really, really is close to you and Megan. So I know you work with him, but I call Megan who was equally hurt by the time that he tried to bankrupt me as she was around watching TV, listening to all the shit, right? And she had to live it too. So her answer to me is, Dad, are you kidding? So he's lying again. <laughs> That's from your wife. Was he in your house for Thanksgiving? Uh, no, not for Thanksgiving. Was he coming for Christmas? No, I don't believe so. Anytime soon? I mean, they're welcome, yeah, but we don't have any plans on the calendar, no. Okay, thank you. Okay. So, like, I'm if I tell you I'm going to see you, I see you. If I tell Joe Gomez I'm going to see him, I see him. If I That's tell true. Dino, I mean, you know what I mean? Da, da, da. So, I don't know. I uh, I don't know what to say. Uh, he did it. And, uh, you know, I'll let the fans be a judge. I will say this if they, in asking why they put him on it. They basically said to me that they wanted people to see what I had to put up with to end up where I am today. Wow. And that's a good enough answer. That's the kind of people that he actually was worse for me than he was worse for me than Jim Erd. And worse for the business. Okay. Now let's talk about that. Now, how okay. was he worse for the business? He turned a profit for WCW for the first time he for one a year. 
No, not one year, 95, 96, 97, 98. The most profitable years of any wrestling company ever were enjoyed by Eric Bischoff at the time. In oh, I don't know that. Then I scratched that remark. I'm, I'm then, I, thought, I thought it was just one year. Now, they, they, uh, they were printing cash, man, in 96, 97, 98. It was crazy. It started to, to peter and taper a little bit in 99. And of course, 2000 was just off the rails. But it's, uh, it's fascinating to go back and look at this because even Eric, when I talked to him, and he was very critical of Crockett, and I argued, hey, man, uh, Crockett only lost money in 87 and 88. The other years were all profitable, and that is not the story of WCW. They were, they were losing cash. Um, yeah, but, that, but that's all because of the way it was managed. Yes, that's, that was my point, is I don't think we can necessarily blame the guy on top, and I know that's becoming fashion. Well, and you, but you can't, you can't blame the talent either. That was my point. I, I I don't I don't think when I say the guy on top, I don't mean necessarily the guy running the show. I mean whoever the champion is. Like I think Meltzer is the first guy who really made it fashionable to, or in fashion to say, well, Kevin Nash is the worst drawing WWF champion of all time. And it's like, okay, well, listen, that may be the case, but everybody who was the champion during that era was the worst drawing champion of all. The business was cyclical, and it had hit an all time low. And it wouldn't have mattered if the belt was on Diesel or Brett or Sean or, or anybody else in that era. Business was going to be down. And I don't think that's necessarily the talent's fault. So when he sort of wags his finger at you and says, well, uh, he wasn't a draw. Well, history would show that how show business turned around for WCW with you and Savage on top. That's what turned it around, not the NWO. Now, the NWO certainly got hotter than it ever had been before. I mean, got to give the devil his due there. But there was no end to the storyline. And I think you could argue that as much as it was the greatest angle in wrestling history, it might have kind of accidentally hurt wrestling long term because it made the 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 possibility of a cool heel. And once upon a time, man, it was pretty clearly defined. These are the good guys, these are the bad guys. But the NWO is really the first time I remember it being fun to cheer the bad guys, like the majority of the fans, not just the quote unquote smart fans in Philadelphia who were big horsemen fans. But no matter where you went, the NWO was positioned to be cool and WCW at times, maybe not so much. We've got the swagger and confidence of the NWO against no offense, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. That feels like something out of the eighties versus something brand new. It made WCW look kind of goofy and it made the cool heel commonplace. And then you run across a guy like MJF. And I think the reason people gravitate to that character so much is he's not trying to be a cool heel. He wants you to hate him. And that's the way wrestling used to be, right, Rick? Yeah, I'm trying to think of the big picture. I didn't know that Savage and I had turned the house show business around. And and actually I don't I don't think I've ever claimed to be a huge draw uh in the nineties. But I drew a lot of money in the eighties. He wouldn't know anything about it. Right. Uh, and it's kinda like <laughs> it's still easier, man. When you're my age and you know it all, it's so easy. <laughs> Eric wouldn't know anything about driving 3,000 miles a week. Eric wouldn't know anything about being a real athlete. You Google Eric, and the biggest line, the greatest line I saw was, was what Hogan said about him. He'd be cutting meat in Minneapolis if he hadn't come to WCW. <laughs> Google it. You're having fun with this, are you not? Go, Google it. Hey, 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 and Tony Khan can call him a visionary too, but Tony had never drove 3,000 miles. 
Only difference between Tony Khan and him is Tony Khan is a man of his word, and he keeps his word, and he really likes people, and he has friends. Yeah. But in terms of being part of the business, you know, Kevin Nash, you know why he does great in his podcast? Because he's lived the business. Yes. I was there when Kevin was sitting in the bleachers of Marietta. Right. He wanted to be part of it. He went through the shit that we all go through to become somebody famous. Scott Hall and, 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 and Kevin Nash are the reason the NWO worked. And Hulk jumping over made it even more. But the four people that made that thing work are Sting, Nash, Hall, and Hogan. Not Bischoff, not Flair. Sting, Hall, Nash, and Hulk. Eric Bischoff just jumped on camera. Did you, um, do you think your relationship with Eric changed when, when he became an on-screen character? No, my relationship was when he said that was real and that, that was real. Yeah. He, he actually, can you imagine that? Now I hear in my documentary, when you watch it, you're going to go, holy shit. Kevin Nash says, Rick knew that his time as being on top was over. You know what? I did. Yeah. I got it. Right. But at the same time, every time they wanted me, every time they need somebody to get somebody over, who did they use? That'd be you. Yeah. So for a while I'm getting in, then Hogan says he took one for the team. Remember when they painted me? Yeah. Yeah. Did they paint Bret Hart? No. They paint Shawn Michaels? I don't believe so. Did they paint Sting? Um, yeah, I think so. It's some, and, and, yeah, and, but paying them $1.5 million too. Well, that's fair. You could have painted me. Um, <laughs> did, 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 did Sting put Hulk over? No. No. Did Nash? Nope. Did no. Scott Hall? Nope. I mean, to get him over. Yes. Who got Hulk over? Well, that'd be you. Who got Randy over? Uh, that'd be you. Who, what studio did we have to pipe in sound because they, they would boo Hogan out of it when he came to center stage? Well, I guess. Uh, no, no, it's the truth. We drew 60 grand in Atlanta, me and Hulk. 60 grand. I think you said it last week, 4,000 people, something like that. First time we came, they, they would have nothing to do, not because of WWE. They just were loyal to us. Right. So at least we had, we, at least if we didn't draw money in his eyes or other people's eyes, the horsemen were, that's all we did were jobs. The NWO, all they did was win. It's hard not to be cool when you win. It's really hard to be cool when you lose every night. Right. And that's all we did. Well, you're, well you're, no, you you follow it. Is, is that right? No, listen. Yeah, WCW was losing every night, but it feels like that was also the story when Dusty Rhodes was on top too. I mean, when Dusty was a character on screen and he was no, looking, no, 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 no. I'm talking about we're, I'm talking about putting people over. We're not talking about booking. Yeah. No, I'm talking about did the Horsemen as a group just do just put people over? In the in the Eric Bischoff era, yes. 
well, in the in the Crockett era. That's all yeah. we did. Yeah. I'm, not, I don't, I'm going past Eric. It's all we did. We put the road wars over. We put Sting over. That's we what put, heels were supposed to do, though, right? Exactly. But I mean, yeah. no, it, it's it was hard to be cool when you're getting beat every night. Yes. And still be cool. Yes. Than it is to be cool when you keep winning every night. When you when you do what you promise you're going to do, that that's the worst thing a babyface can do is is promise something, and then not do it. Right. It's the biggest babyface killer in the world. When you say, "I guarantee I'll be the champion on Monday," and yeah. you're not the champion on Monday, you better have a goddamn good excuse or be able to get really good talker to talk your way out of it. Yes. That's all. That's the heel thing. The heels yeah. are the ones who go out and guarantee. Yes, exactly. And then they can get beat, and they're a liar and a motherfucker. Babyface to guarantee it, and they're fucked. And that's just the way of the world. And I and by the way, just to emphasize this, I've been getting so much press over this busted open. I am not mad at Seth Rollins. I just told a story. And like I said, he's a hell of a worker. <laughs> but I, and I apologize for bringing it up. But I was, I felt like I was in timeout. <laughs> I love that. In timeout. I, I asked Taker and said, I must be in timeout. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and another thing I meant to ask you, I saw, also saw, oh, you'll love this. This is the best. You know how when you walk into like um, WrestleCon and that or these events you have, right? You know, I, I, I read an Eric thing that he didn't like to sign autographs. And, and first of all, his autograph isn't worth five cents. Oh. And it, I, I could always see Eric in a room. You know why? There's never a line at the table. Oh, <laughs> come on now. I swear to God. <laughs> Can you believe it? It's finally here. It's the most wonderful time of the year, unless you get stressed out about how to pay for it. SaveWithConrad.com can help you make this the best Christmas ever. You won't make a house payment for the next two months. That's right. Skip your next two house payments and use all that cash for your extra holiday expenses. And come next year, you're going to have a lower monthly payment. Don't put Christmas on a credit card. Pay your credit card debt off at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. SaveWithConrad.com. Eric Bischoff was uh, quoted on his podcast 83 uh, weeks which is available uh, anywhere you enjoy podcasts over on wrestlinginc.com our man dominic d'angelo wrote this of eric's comments quote i'm not joking around here and this is one of the reasons why i didn't want to get this started in this thing because it just escalates and escalates and escalates rick was in wcw right after ted turner bought it and it was great for a lot of people but the truth is wcw couldn't make any money with rick flair so what did rick flair do he went to wwe and guess what couldn't make any money with Ric Flair and WWE. So guess what? He comes back to WCW and WCW still couldn't make money with him in 93 and 94, which is why I had to go and get Hulk Hogan. Rick's a great performer. Don't get me wrong. He's a legend, but when it comes to this business, I had to do what I had to do. And apparently that just rubs Rick the wrong way and he can't let it go. I'm sorry about that, but my God, let it go. And when I was critical of how he sort of poked fun at the horseman, he says, I wasn't being critical of the four horsemen. They were very popular amongst a small regional group of fans. And of course he would note that they were very popular in the Southeast and would say, well, that's cool, but that's not the whole country. And the four horsemen were great during their era, but they certainly weren't a national act. And I would argue, well, I don't know. They were on national TV. They were on TBS. And of course, Eric would say, that's really before everybody had cable. That doesn't really count. Um, 
I don't know, man. I don't know that I, I necessarily see it the way Eric does. I, I always thought the horsemen were a top act. And I think history tells that story through uh, all the Crockett record books, but I do agree that the WCW version of the horseman was not nearly as, uh, position oh, well I, as, I, as the I, I could i couldn't agree with you more yeah i couldn't agree with you more i'm not i'm not i wasn't i wasn't talking about the four horsemen he he brought that into play now he'll have to deal with iron when he sees him <laughs> 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 hey, hey listen I, I i i had to fight that listen yeah jim the, the thing that i heard and, and bischoff had in common they hated iron as much as they hated me so I, I I fought to keep Iron's job, which I'm sure Eric will admit to you too, tooth and nail, much less mine. And as far as the committee, he just took what her did through a bunch of us in the room, called me the head booker, and we just spent eight hours a day fucking around doing nothing, and then him and Hulk and Randy and whatever changed it anyway. And then and then like as an example, I know one time. He ran out the office door and says, Flair said the standards aren't worth it. And you know, forget in the wrestling world, especially me, <clears throat> you're going to hear every story there is. Right. Or how about the time he stood up and sat down with me in the room? I mean, I just was people, everybody in the room looking at me like I did something wrong. He says, there's only three people in this room that have drawn a dime in this business. It's Piper, Hogan, and Savage. The rest of you don't know shit about drawing money. Good for my self-confidence, right? That story was written about in uh, Chris Jericho's book. And he, even he said, everybody looked at each other with Rick sitting right there. Like what the fuck? Yeah. So what did that make you think about Eric? Yeah. Did you, would you take that personally and remember it as long as you live? Probably so. If someone said to you that you're the worst fucking mortgage salesman of all time, <laughs> you're, the, you're the worst fucking podcast host of all time. Would yeah. you remember that? If they flat uh, yeah, out, I, if, I if, if they flat out insulted you in front of a bunch of your peers, would you get over it? Where does the, what's the payoff in this? What where does this thing land? No, I'm asking. I'm asking you a question. Would you get over it? I don't social, value so, social media won't let you get away with it. Over it. I, my question is, I asked him, why is he even talking on him? Well, my a better a better question, a better question would be. When are they going to make one on him? You know why they can't? Because he can't find three people to say a good thing about him. Oh, goodness gracious. Well, name them. Who? <laughs> well, he helped a lot of people make a lot of money. Disagree? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I, I'm just telling you how I feel. I said Sting, Hall, Nash, and Hogan all day long. But they were the NWO. They made whatever Sting role took. He yeah. was equal to any of those guys, in my opinion. I was not. But I, in turn, did the favor for all of them. Yes. Time and time again. Yes. And I, this might offend Sting, and I don't care if it does or not, because he's my good friend, and he knows it too. Uh, uh, when we did shot the angle with Brian Pillman, me, Arn, and uh, Sting, yeah, ninety-five. Yeah, in, De in Detroit, it was a it was the hottest thing on the show. Yes. The next day, we went to Jacksonville. I put Sting over. Arn ran down. He double scorpion both of us. 
He walked back in the locker room in Jacksonville, Florida, and said, Sting is back. Never said thank you to me or Arn. Ask Arn. Hmm. Arn and I looked at each other and said, we just went and had a drink. Just like Gene Oakland. Anybody, anybody had to work with him. Sting is back. Thank you, Rick. Uh, what about our program? We just started it. Uh, well, that program's over. What are we having a moment? We're we, we having a moment of silence for him? No, I'm just letting you go, man. No, I'm just I'm asking you it, a question. It's like you've got. I, uh... I'm, I'm giving you food for thought. I'm, I, can't, I can't make this shit up. I uh, I am curious where you think this all leads. I mean, are, are, is this? Uh... It, won't, it won't. It won't. It won't. Won't lead anywhere. Okay. I, I'm just you're asking me a question. He's an interesting subject. Yeah. And even and even if it wasn't in my documentary, I I, I would say the same thing. If it, someone said, "What do you think of Eric Bischoff?" I'd say, "You know what? Eric and I have been friends, um, off and on, and." Uh, I respect him for two things. He called me when my son died, mm-hmm. which is more than a couple other people I can name did. And he did the right thing. I swear to God. And people will be mad for me saying this. When, when Charles and I wrestled Savage and Medusa, right? And Randy jumped off the top rope and broke Charles' ribs. It almost killed him. You know that story? Collapsed the lung, right? Yeah. Yeah. Randy, Randy didn't give him a fucking dime. Eric wrote him a check for 25 grand. So I will thank Eric for that. I hadn't heard that story that Randy didn't try to take not a fucking, of- not a fucking dime. I know everything. Not a fucking dime. Did you, uh, did you confront Savage about that? Did he turn no. some people off with that? Why? Why? It's just only a few people know the story. Right. Why would I come? Why would I come from? He didn't care. Mm. And you know what? At that point in his life, he was so beyond broken and hurt. What's there to say to him? And, and, that, and there's, there's another thing that I, I, I'll never get over. Two other things that, that Eric did that I thought were un- unbelievable. And I'm sticking up for my friends here. I thought it was horrible they brought Liz back with 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 Luger with Randy there, and I thought it was even worse that he brought Sid back without telling Arn. There was no discussion with Arn at all. Oh fuck no! Wow. You know, it's kind of like when I saw him walk into the fucking TV. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I cracked when he walked into WWE TV. I I, I almost shed. I did. I thought, oh my God, this can't be happening again. Right. But Vince finds a way to make money with everybody. And he went out the door. I've been put in a lot of positions. Fucking horrible. Buried in the desert and everything else. I've never been put in a fucking garbage truck and dumped in a fucking garbage can. That'll be his legacy. <laughs> I love when you're in a good mood and you're fucked up. <laughs> if I'm entertaining, you don't get it, motherfucker. I know it all. <laughs> I don't know what I expected today, but this was not it. <laughs> hey, come here. Let me tell you. When 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 Kevin and uh, Scott first came there, and they put him in there with Scotty Riggs and Bagwell, and the people didn't budge. 
The next week, Sting, Sting was in the action, and they were, and it was off and going. It takes it takes components, it takes help from everybody to make something go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It is not, and it, one person doesn't do it by themselves. But and Hulk had the greatest run of all time, and like I've got, I I, I sometimes I see him, and I, I just, I mean, for me personally, even though people have always wanted to think of something, he has done more for me, and shit like I mean. He he is at my in my level of my eyes at, that you're at Conrad, and he always speaks up very honestly about me, and, and and he he's concerned about me. Everybody everybody was about me wrestling and all that. I mean, he legitimately is concerned. It's kind of like Kevin Nash. You know, Kevin said you know, and I, I Kevin called me and you know nobody will understand what it's like to lose a child until you do it, until you experience that, which I hope nobody else ever has to, but. It happens every day, but um, it just um, the things things that are, that people do in life that hurt you. Um, it, it 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 social media won't let you get away from it, right? So I mean, I would have never thought that, but I didn't. And they and they, I guess their perspective was the people that put it together was they wanted people to see what I was up against where I am, for better or for worse. Well, you mentioned him a few times. I feel like we should, uh, we should at least talk about the news that's out about Arn Anderson. Uh, it came out on Arn's podcast, um, over on his show, which is, I guess, Saturday Arn, uh, it came out quote, I'm hanging on to the idea that Brock just hasn't had his second chance yet because of the rotation. I'm still under contract for about a year and a half Brock about six months. I'm sure Tony struggles with it, trying to get everybody on there and get everybody rotated, but we're just hanging on. We don't want to do anything else. The key to this business is getting better with consistency and wrestling reps day after day, three days in a row, four days in a row. That's how you get better. And that's just not an opportunity to do that where we are now. Uh, I think a lot of people were pretty hyped a few years ago when we saw Brock Anderson make his debut, but it does feel like we've seen less and less of him, but that's kind of the same story you hear about a lot of folks on the AEW side of things. Is there such a thing as too big of a roster? And do you think Brock may be a victim of that right now? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I actually text Brock that, I, that the thing with Cody is that what you make you're referring to. Yeah, a couple of years back. Yeah, it, well, yeah, it's very hard. Here's the deal. It's very hard to be put in a position where you start on top. That's kind of what they did with David, right? Yeah. And he wasn't prepared. I thought I thought uh, Brock did a really good job. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I guess Cody leaving all that affected their situation. But it, it's definitely, it's not, it's, I, I can vouch for this because I've seen him, what, twice now. <clears throat> it's not about his ability. It's it's like Arn said to get in the reps. The reps aren't available, even though there's so many damn companies now, like there were before. Um, <clears throat> you just can't get it unless you're in the ring, and then you, and hopefully, which is even harder to arrange, you've got to be in the ring with someone that knows what they're doing that you can learn from. Right. It's very difficult. And like me and me and Steve, me and Steve, we kind of learned. These, I knew a little bit more than Steamboat, but try trial and error. And how many times do you think I wrestled Ricky? Two thousand times. Yeah, something crazy. Uh, I mean, the same with Sting. <clears throat> I was much more experienced when when Sting came along, but still, for Sting to go out there and go forty eight minutes, I mean, I I looked at him and afterward, and I I said, 
Uh, I don't know what you just did, man. I, but you just, you just, you were tremendous. It's hard to go out there and go 48 minutes the first time you've done it. Believe me, I can tell you. The list of guys that I've known that can't do it, that imply they can, wow. Please, an hour is an hour. 48 minutes is 48 minutes. And Steamboat and I did a lot of 90s. Where do those even factor in anymore? Right. So I just, yeah, but Brock, I mean, if Brock shouldn't be down on himself, Arn shouldn't, you know, should just don't hope that, you know, that he gets another opportunity, gets more opportunities. But that it's it's hard. It's a, it, it's an incredibly hard business. And I'll tell you what, it's even harder when your dad is really good, hmm. like Arn was, right? Yes. So these are the conversations I like talking about the most. It's hard to be a, it's hard to be Arn Anderson's son. I'm sure it's hard to be my son. It's hard to be Charlotte. Right. I mean, Charlotte is the exception to the rule because she is flown by everybody, myself included. I mean, you know, you know how I feel about her. I think you you would pretty much agree. Um, but it's just hard to. It, it, how many fathers? I mean, parents ever have that opportunity? To see their child come along and grow and, and exceed everything you ever imagined. It's heat. <laughs> when you're so damn good, it's heat. It's like Stephen A. said this morning, because LeBron's kid debuted or, or played basketball, high school basketball last night against Carmelo's, and Stephen A. Smith said um, he didn't want to follow too closely because of all the Le- all the LeBron haters. And and if you're good at something, you're going to have people hate you because people hate when you're good or better than them. Right. I mean, they just do. You don't, you don't think there's people jealous of you with your position, Conrad? Yeah. Listen, I see the hate online for sure. Yeah. But what, but, but yeah, that's the problem. You just, well, you have to look, you have to look past it. Yeah. You I, have to forget I, it. I heard something a few years ago. I really like, uh, what anyone else thinks of me is none of my business. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I'm just saying. But that's what you. The more popular you get, you're scrutinized. But who is who are we scrutinized by? Right. I mean, I, I'll tell you. Hulk can scrutinize me. You can scrutinize me. Austin can. Taker can. Steamboat can. Eric Bischoff can't. He wouldn't know nothing. He wouldn't know how to put a jock strap on between. He wouldn't know the difference in the front and the back. Hmm. And, and and you know what the funniest thing at the roast? I thought, my God, Eric would get up and say something, and I'd have to really straighten him out because instead he took the, the, the damnest thing I've ever seen in my life talking about shaving his nuts with some must be something you and he endorses on his show, right? <laughs> and then he then he talks about a, a bar tab that I didn't pay at the Swan Hotel. How about the bar tab he didn't pay for me for a year? as my checks piled up, knowing that if I cashed one, it meant I worked for him. How about the secret meeting we had in Atlanta with Barry Bloom? The secret, secret meeting. We won't tell anybody. We won't tell Barry, because Barry won't tell tell Michael, because they don't tell anybody. But they represent all five of us. They represent Barry, represent, (laughs) see, I know it all. Barry represents Hall, Nash, (laughs) <laughs> Eric and me. No conflict there, is there? Barry Bloom. Barry, where are you? Any conflict of interest there? Yeah. You gonna take care of me while you're taking care of Kevin and Scott and Eric too? 
Ask Eric how he feels about Barry Bloom right now. <laughs> you already know the answer to that. He's not a fan. I'm, I'm not a, <laughs> no I'm shit. Not sure. You know, you know, Barry Bloom said to me when I saw last time he saw me. <clears throat> I'm glad to see you're doing good. I said thank you. Ever since I got rid of you, I've been doing great. I've only had two other crooked agents. The one as crooked as you. <laughs> oh, you you had a falling out with Barry? I didn't know that. I didn't fall out with him. I just had to pay him. And when I left, you know, I did the honorable thing, which is the worst thing you can do with a guy. He's not even a fucking agent. He, uh, <laughs> he when Vince called me to come back in 2001, right? Well, the word got out that he'd called me. So Barry called me and said, you don't me to negotiate. And Vince, of course, called right back. This is my life. I love, I love sharing these stories because nobody else has been through it. So I don't want to deal with Bloom or anybody else. Then Linda called me. We're not dealing with any Asia Rick yet. We want you there Monday. Today is Thursday. Because <laughs> it was in Charlotte. Well, they knew I wanted to go back to work. You know, Vince, Vince goes, so he goes, what are you, what are you going to do when you get, when they, when you get through with that free turn of money? I said, I don't know. I, I, I haven't thought that far ahead right now. I'm daytime drinking at the country club. <laughs> <laughs> No, I can't make the pressure. But God's that. Thank God I went back because I was, if you remember, man, I had a shaved head. Thank you, Mr. Bishop and Mr. Vince uh, Russo. His legacy, of course, is intact. <laughs> um, I mean, think, who else? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, I, John Taylor, who was a great friend of mine, dear friend, and a great lawyer, I, I, um, I, I go to him. Uh, he said, well, you should pay Bloom the money on the contract. I said, oh, God. So I sent him 60000 just because John put the guilt conference on me. But, I mean, really, how can you, in all fairness, and think about it, and, and I hope he does well for everybody else. I'm happy for Chris and those guys that have made money with him. But I think it's very awkward. Probably, I think it's probably illegal is the word <laughs> to represent five people all in the same business on the same, on the same side of the table. But that's a long time ago and I'm doing good and he's doing good. And that's all that matters. Somebody else who's doing good. We uh, saw in the news that, uh, William Regal is gone. No longer with AEW headed back to WWE. Uh, it came out uh, in the news today as you and I are recording that he's going to be a vice president for WWE and we'll start the first week of January. Uh, what do you think about that move? I think a lot of people probably assumed when Hunter got some power back that, Hey man, Regal's going to be right back in WWE and it took a little longer, but it happened. What do you think? I think it's great. I'm a big fan. It's a loss for, it's a loss for Tony. Yeah, for sure. Every time I saw Steve on TV, he brought authenticity to it. Yeah. He, brought, he, bring, he, he brings out, it brings authenticity into, and for Hunter, there's not a more loyal son of a bitch alive than, than Steve Regal. Yeah. Uh, and he, you know, he, he was with Hunter in the beginning and, you know, Steve, like me, only, he, he's, you know, gotten through his, his shit. I'm never going to stop drinking. Uh, he, he dry. And, you know, I'm just, and it just be like, you saw the trailer today. I'm supposed to be dead, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> and, 
<laughs> Hell, no, probably, I got to live long enough to get that a documentary out of me. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> This has uh, this every 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 step I take is a moment going forward. (laughs) I love you, man. We uh, I love you too. You're gonna you're gonna pop big on this. I'm not kidding. I I went to eleven days, man. I can't wait. I can't Um, wait either because it's coming out around the holiday season, and that means it's time to talk about Jimmy'sFamousSeafood.com. If you haven't ever tried Jimmy's famous seafood, can I recommend it? You know, we've talked about Sabatino's in Baltimore for a long time. That's not where all the wrestlers are going these days. Nope. They're headed to Jimmy's famous seafood. They ship nationwide too. You don't just have to be in Baltimore. Check this out. You've got free two day nationwide shipping on orders over $125. When you use the promo code Flair, you can get some of the best Maryland crab cakes you've ever had the soups, the chowders, the oysters, the signature steaks, plus desserts and all the gluten-free items. And they've got several packages that make great holiday gifts. So if you're trying to figure out, what do I get my dad? What do I get my uncle? What do I get my aunt? If you've got somebody in your life who's really hard to get a present for, they're going to love the famous gift box. It includes four of the world's best colossal Maryland crab cakes, two crab soups, a crab dip, seafood seasoning, and their signature bay sauce or the tailgate bundle, which is two pounds of wings, a full rack of ribs, a pint of crab dip and crab cake mix. You can even create your own package. They've been in business for more than four decades. They've been featured on diners, uh, diners, dine-ins and dives, beat Bobby Flay and so much more. You've seen them on countless NFL commercials and promos. Anytime that there's a big time game in Baltimore, they go to Jimmy seafood. You'll see why. And while all the boys in the business love it too, when you go to jimmysfamousseafood.com and be sure to use that promo code FLAIR, you're going to get free shipping. And if you've never ordered seafood or something like that delivered, uh, the really costly part is the shipping. There's a spoiler for you. So when you go ahead and use promo code FLAIR, it's going to be there in time for the holidays and you get free shipping. Can't recommend it enough. Some of the best seafood I've ever had, jimmysfamousseafood.com. Rick, uh, we've got a lot of other news and notes we want to hit. One of the other pieces of Less than awesome news is our pal Matt Riddle is uh, apparently going to be off TV for a bit. There's rumors that he's uh, maybe had a, a wellness violation. We don't know any further details than that. But I think a lot of people take a look at a guy like Matt Riddle and think, man, WWE was pushing him to the freaking moon. Yeah. What did that look like for him? And is this going to be a major setback, do you think? Or is this something he can overcome? Guys like Randy Orton have had a similar circumstance and they overcame. So was Roman Reigns and they overcame. Do you expect the same from Matt Riddle? Um, well, give me an example. I, I knew I heard that there was something going on, but what he he failed what a steroid test or what? I, don't well, know. I think it's just a, a wellness policy violation. Yeah, is 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 the whisper? I don't think they'll ever disclose exactly what it was. Uh, huh. Well, you know, it, 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 it's just unfortunate it's not working for Eric because he he'd been fine. He wouldn't even had, he no. wouldn't have, he wouldn't have even had to take the test. That's so great. How many? <laughs> I could drop some names, man. I could recruit some people. Well, there's a pretty uh, famous story out there about Scott Steiner when WWE wanted to test him. And they said, hey, we need you to take a drug test. And he said, cool, send a limo and make sure Hunter's in it. And we'll go together. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you know, that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, and that brings up a, an interesting topic. You've mentioned it before. And, and I've talked to a lot of wrestlers about this, and it feels like it's almost universal across the board. Do you think there should be steroid testing in wrestling? 
Yes. Really? Yeah, only because of uh, only because uh, in athletics period. I mean, I just you can look at life. We don't understand. I, I guess when you're older, you do. But I still back then when you're when you're going so fast, the word moderation is a very difficult word for any of us to get our head wrapped around. That makes sense. Yes. And moderation, if a guy, you know, if you get this much with this much of a shot, maybe if I take double that, and then all of a sudden years later, you're finding out that you've done major damage to your heart, your liver, your kidneys. A thousand examples of that. It's, it's like, which I discuss all the time. I used to eat Xanax until I got into edibles that I just got involved in with, what, six months ago? Yeah, and it work, and, and they work. But you have to get off the Xanax gradually. You just kind of just you know take one piece of the you know you get it's it's addictive. You know, like if I didn't take a Xanax the next day by noon, I'd be shaking. Right. So, but I had I've used the edibles to get off it, and I'm I'm a lot better for it. But until they come up with an edible, it's going to make me quit drinking. I, I'm I'll be at the bar in about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Erectile dysfunction drinking. I'm going to keep right on working with that shit. <laughs> I don't know why, but that tickles me. <laughs> you know, I I do wish this though. And I uh, oh, they're under contract. That's right. Okay, I'm sorry. I was just thinking, I'm thinking about Brock, and um, I think the, I still I swear people ask me all the time, um, and literally, I hear it a couple times a week. Well, asking what they advise, especially if I'm signing autographs and young kids want to know about wrestling. I, you know, I wish that if, if he had the opportunity to entertain the thought of letting Brock go to NXT, because until they get a farm program like at AEW, I don't know that he'll ever find the reps. Does that make sense? Yeah. At least at, at NXT, you get a chance. Um, you know, like, and like I said, they got a hundred kids there. Maybe two will make it. But in a, in, in it's, it costs a lot of money to do that. For sure. But, but to find the two that make it, that make a company all that money back and to make themselves a lot of money. So. Well, I know we both think a lot of Brock and we're pulling for him. And yeah. uh, I'm anxious it, to see how this all shakes out, man. It feels like there's going to be a lot of moving and shaking on both sides here. Yeah. In the future and, yeah. And Brock is so young, man. And, and I'll yeah, I tell you. I didn't really understand because he hasn't been given a lot of quote unquote mic time, but he had such a presence when we did the interview for your documentary. I said it, he stole it. We sent the raw footage of that, uh, over and shared it because I just wanted to make sure that you know, sort of the powers that be knew, man, this, this dude, he's, uh, that did not skip a generation. Oh, yeah. It's a great promo. And so is Brock. Yeah. And he's, if he's half as witty as I haven't been around him enough, but. If he's half as witty as Hearn, he, 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 should be, he should be talking full-time for somebody right now. Because believe me, there's a, there's a lot of guys on TV that cannot, that should just need to be there and let somebody do this talking for them. Jesus. One of the most prolific talkers of all time was Mr. Jim Ross. He made some news uh, this past week. He was pretty critical of Johnny Ace. Uh, we talked about on his podcast, Grilling JR, the developmental process with WWE, how OVW became a thing. Even before that, the funk and dojos and deep South. And of course now NXT, but we couldn't talk about that without talking about his successor 
for his position as the head of talent relations. And of course, Johnny Ace came up and Jim Ross had this to say, I had a hard time as time went on trusting Laurinaitis. That's sad to say I hired him. I gave him a job when he needed it. I didn't think he treated me quite right. He just wanted to show Vince that he was a better manager than Jr. and all these things. So now his ass is without a job and he deserves the goddamn misery that he's living that I perceive he's living. And I didn't like how he treated me. Now that quote went pretty viral. So when we taped again, uh, the episode that folks are going to listen to tomorrow and people have already got a sneak peek of, I said, Hey man, do you regret saying what you said about Johnny Ace? And he said, Oh, I'm in it. I just don't believe that's how you repay somebody for their kindness. Here's a guy that was out of a job, had a young family. I hired him as my number two guy in my department and how it ended up was typical chicken shit pro wrestling. Look, if the guy's a better manager than me and he signed more stars than I, then so be it. I don't believe that to be accurate. His goal, like a lot of the boys was to get close to the boss. Well, you know, Johnny Ace, your pals with Jim Ross. What's you, uh, what do you make of this, uh, moment of candor from Jim Ross about Johnny Ace? Well, uh, gosh, you know, I know them both about the same. And, um, once again, I know it all. So Jim Ross lost every bit of credibility with me in life in spite of calling me the greatest wrestler of all time or, or whatever uh, induction and all the bullshit when he jumped on the dark side of wrestling because all he is starving for and leaning on life is to be relevant because he ain't and I will tell you this what makes it disappoints me the most, and this is a very serious statement. When Russo and uh, what was his buddy's name? Ed Ferrara. Ed Ferrara. When they mocked up Jim Ross uh, and made fun of the Bell's palsy, I thought it was the worst thing I've ever seen in wrestling in my life. Forget anything that I ever went through personally. It was the worst thing, and it's unforgivable unforgivable to make fun of someone's of, of, of a situation like that which was you know in, i can only imagine what it did to jim's mind so i can forgive jim ross for dark side of wrestling which i have because there's nothing worth it but um i i don't appreciate it and jerry lawler texts me i don't know how many people said what the fuck did ross mean we got to know when to walk away from rick flair huh well the WWE learned when to when when to walk away from from Jim Ross. I'm going to the thirtieth edition, thirtieth reunion. You think he is? Well, he's under contract somewhere else, so probably not. You think he's getting invited? I mean, I don't think it would be possible, but no, to answer your question, no. Okay. Well, I was under contract at TNA and got my second ring. So if they want things to happen, I make them happen. I, uh, I didn't it's, know it's, it's, it's another podcast. You didn't hear what he said about me and dark side. Well, in fairness, I think, um, there's more to that story. And I know, I don't know that you and Jim have ever talked about that, but tell me, let's discuss Jim it. believes it was creative editing and that it was a gotcha moment. And I know that Jim 
didn't want to record again or do anything with the tales from the territory guys again, uh, or, or the dark side of the ring. And I actually tried to placate and say, well, listen, tales from the territories is a different thing. And it's, it's not going to be about negative stories. It's going to be fun, easy stories. It's talking about mid South. Yeah. But what's that got to do with me? No, I'm with you. I'm just saying Jim was upset with the way it came out because he says it wasn't the way that that wasn't an accurate portrayal of the conversation. You know, you know what he said to me when I called him on it? He said, I love you, Nate. Always have, always will. What's wrong with that? I said, what the fuck are you doing? That was his answer. Hmm. Not, hey, I'm sorry. And I'll tell you something else. You know, going back to these documentaries and how they can be hurtful. When Jim Ross is talking about me dancing on the table and drinking and all that shit, but forgot to pay the IRS. You know why he knows about the IRS? Because he was the head of talent relations. Yeah. And that's supposed to be private when they got her my wages. So you ask me what I think about Jim Ross. I've, I have felt, I mean, I've felt the pain of Jan like nobody else. I was there when he met Jan. So I know a lot of things a lot of people don't know. But shitting on me is not cool. Well, I do feel that way. I uh well, I know yeah, that well, you, well, go back and read it. Pull it up. How would well, you feel? How would you feel if he said it about you? I'm with you, but but again, uh, and I I feel like we're talking in circles here. I just want to make sure you understand. Jim says that's creative editing. That 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 it was the way it was presented on TV is the, not the way it went down. And he was uncomfortable working with them in the future. And of course, I think they've smoothed all that out, but there were a lot of people who felt like, man, that's not really what I said. And did I know they, that, did they smooth out the $500,000 I lost. Well, I guess the question is you, I, you blame, I, I, you blame I, I, Jim Ross, not necessarily the editors of the show. We've never discussed it. I'm just asking. Well, first of all, why did he say it? Why is he on the show? And you know what? You know why? You know how many people have called me and said we love to say something, but we we don't want to, we don't want to hear something about ourselves, right? How many how many phone calls do you think I got that for a year? A lot. Yeah. Rick, God, hey man, I'd say something, but fuck, I don't want him jumping on me. Yeah. So a convicted felon in trouble with the IRS, arrested for domestic violence twice, get to say shit about me 22 years later. I lose a half million dollars. It almost causes me to get divorced. You don't think I hit Wendy and her kids? What do you think my grandkids thought of that? Hello? Hey, you're part of the family. What do you think? What do you think? You don't think, I, you don't think that runs through my mind every day? Sure. To this day, it runs through my mind. Jericho telling me he knew nothing about it. Yet he's the the editor, director. They're all. I know what you mean. I think he's the producer. They're all fucking lucky that I'm a better man than them. Because I got the story in all of them. I just don't tell it. I could have this fucking podcast breaking every record. We'd be drawing numbers like NFL football. (laughs) <laughs> if I tried to buy stories. 
Yeah, I'm uh, I'm in an awkward spot here, man. Uh, who else do you want to fuck with today? It's no. their shit list. <laughs> no. Uh, well, you, you keep bringing the names up. I just got an answer for you. Well, I, I was asking about Johnny Ace and, and Jim Ross, and boy, we took a hard left turn there. But Well, because I don't know how Jim Ross could be hot at anybody. You know, Jim used to walk around to just basically beating Vince's brains out. At the same time, Jim Ross will always be my favorite announcer. I'm not diminishing his skills. I'm not like Eric saying I was no good at anything. I'm telling you, Jim was the fucking best. But I also thought he was one of my best friends. It hurts A friend doesn't do that. Jim Ross was he and Gordon Soley and Oakland in all different styles are the three greatest announcers of all fucking time. We agree. In all, in all my 70 years of watching it, seeing it from Marty O'Neill, name it. Those three are the three greatest, all different styles. But Jim Ross fucking was, he is, I mean, I, I have so much respect for him. I wanted him to have that equal amount of respect for me in real life. He didn't. Well, I'm sorry you feel that way, but I think he does. I think it's a misunderstanding. Ah. Uh, well, it doesn't matter. It's over now. Yeah. Whether it's creative editing or not, he said it. <laughs> Why? Well, Why? We took a hard left turn there, and uh, <laughs> you're going to be taking a hard left turn in your brand new camper. I'm excited to introduce you. No, to gonna, we're going to start running. We're going to start running NFL numbers here, brother. <laughs> <laughs> what, I think he's a Rick next next, next week it's the Chiefs and the Bengals. <laughs> Seventeen I, I, million. <laughs> I don't know how we top this next week. Uh, <laughs> oh, we will, we will. Let somebody open their goddamn mouth. <laughs> I mean, after you giving shots to Eric Bischoff and Jim Ross, who I both co-host with, I'm looking for a new place to go, and thankfully, I know about Camper Max. Specializing in max discounted pricing on travel trailers and fifth wheel RVs delivered anywhere in the lower 48. That's right. From your office, your cell phone, or your couch, click or call to find out how easy it is to start enjoying the RVing lifestyle. How easy is it? Well, the camper max discount will fit any budget offering financing with extended terms. It's just too easy. Visit CamperMax.com. That's CamperMAXX.com. Or call 256-320-7033. This is the home of the Max Discount. And let me just personally vouch for the folks behind this. Mr. Rod Wagner is a longtime personal friend of mine. When you reach out to CamperMax.com, you want to make sure to mention Conrad. They give you that old friend of the friend deal. And if you're looking to purchase a motorhome, hang in there. My buddy Rod is working on that now. And in fact, if you've got an opportunity to sell yours, maybe you're looking to get out of yours, he can help you with that too. It's CamperMax.com. That's C-A-M-P-E-R-M-A-X-X.com. Rick, we endeavored to talk about Mean Gene today. We're going to talk about him next week. Okay, uh, let's go back. I want to read this in closing because you brought up Vince McMahon. Hey, Rick, this is July 4th. Hey, Rick, as of tonight's Raw, you're back in the opening of our TV shows. You're going to be so proud of your documentary. I always keep my word. Happy 4th. Vince McMahon. 
Doesn't Eric Bischoff wish he could say that? I always keep my word. As Arn would say, he'd rather climb a tree and tell a lie than stand on the ground and tell the truth. Kevin Sullivan, he has selective memory. At least he admitted to walking Wendy down the beach. She didn't give me anything. <laughs> it wasn't good he didn't try. <laughs> well, these days, she could give him a discount code. We got Woo and Flair Sop. We got just Woo It stuff. We got hats. We got t-shirts. We got coffee mugs. Get me the fuck out of here. Go to rickflairshop.com. I'm on Woo Wings. Oh, Woo Wings, my God. It's a virtual restaurant concept available now. Nashville, San Antonio, Charlotte, Jacksonville, L.A., New York, Tuscaloosa, Roll Tide, Huntsville, Concord, Richmond Hill. It's everywhere you want to be, and it's coming to a location near you. If you know a restauranteer in your area who you would like to carry Woo Wings, send them to rickflairwings.com. But if you're in one of those markets, man, pull it up on Uber Eats or Postmates today. It's the only chicken wings worthy of carrying the name of the 16-time world heavyweight champion. And Rick, I hear you recently tried some in Tampa, and you said, damn, these are damn good. Are they are. We got to get... We got to rent that bus and drive around every school in town, <laughs> every, <laughs> every college in Florida. That'll do it, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to Woo Wings. We'll be back. Oh, wait, Woo Wings? What are we talking about? We'll be back next week on To Be The Man when we talk about man by God. Gotcha. Woo. Love you guys. Thank you.